All right, well, this is it. This is it. This is the it of what? This is the conclusion of Genesis this week. Yes. This is the conclusion of this series that we're doing on Genesis. Yes, that is it. But that's not the it I'm talking about. This week's Torah portion, Vayichi, and he lived, it means, has my favorite scripture verse of the Torah in it. This is it. And I say that almost every week, but I literally mean this is it. This one in this Torah portion. The words of Joseph to his brothers in Genesis 50, 20. What the devil intended for evil, God intended for good. Have you ever heard that scripture? The answer is, and I'm being tricky and mean to you right now, no, you've never heard that scripture. You've never heard that scripture before because that's not what that scripture says. Many years ago, I heard a Messianic rabbi teach on this scripture. He was more of a, he was a, he was a left leaner. I'm not sure if someone's like super Pentecostal, if you call him left or right, but, but he leaned that way. Whatever. And so he was teaching and he was talking about Joseph's trials and comparing them to ours and how the devil is always out to get us and you better watch out. But here's the truth of it. And he said, it's just like Joseph when he said what the devil meant to harm me with God meant good. And he says, you can you can lay claim to that, too. The devil's always out for you. But don't worry, God's got your back. And I thought, man, I like that. What the devil intended to harm me with, God meant for good. I held on to it for a little while, and, and I went and read the text, and I realized that's not what it says at all. Ve'atim hashavtim alai ra'ah. Ve'atim. And although you intended me harm, Atem, you, you all, y'all, y'all meant my, me harm. God intended it for good. Elohim hashava litova. God intended it litova for the good. So as to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. And I stopped and I said, hmm, where's the devil in that? What the devil? What the? No. He's talking to his brothers, which means he's talking to humans. It's not super spiritual. It's not otherworldly. It's not about putting on the armor of God. It's about simply saying, you tried to hurt me, but God had my back. God used it for good. And I could teach on that for the next six hours if you would let me, but I won't. It's not the words. It's not the words that make it special. It's the story surrounding the words. It's the lessons we learn from it. It's the power that if you can actually learn to see life that way, man, you can, you can, you can overcome almost, well, anything in this life. It's, it's about the power that's contained within that one or those couple little lines of Torah. It's about the story God is writing. And us, we're the players in this story, the characters. 
And as we've clearly learned in our time in the book of Genesis throughout this series, in the beginning, the Bible's about people. It's about their stories, their decisions that they make for better or for worse. It's about the expectations that lead to their reactions. It's about where they place their trust. And Joseph, finally, as we come to Genesis 50, the end of this book, he is the culmination of all the good we could ever hope to be in this life. I don't know if you've ever really seen Joseph that way, but, but, but he is the culmination of so much good in two profound ways that I want to tell you today. And no exaggeration, it can change your life today. What you intended to harm me with, God used it for good. You can become someone new. For the new year and all the years, God willing, that you have left. 7.6 billion. Anyone have any context for that number? 7.6 billion, what do you think that is? That's the world population. Paul is a math major, and so he loves numbers. 7.6 billion, it's the world population. But it is a much, much bigger number than that. Do you know what else it means? What it is, what it represents? It represents 7.6 billion stories that God is currently writing. Concurrently writing. And this verse, you know... But, but your, your story, your story is one of the 7.6 billion unique stories. Yours is one of them, but yours is unique. And no matter how many other stories God is writing between you and him, your story is the most important one. Did you know that? There's no story like it because there's no one like you. Even if you have an identical twin, there's no one like you. Because the decisions and the choices that determine your life and ultimately the, the whole outcome of your story, they depend on you. And Darren touched on this a little bit last week in a, in a great message that he shared with you. You have a part of your story is your purpose. And some people call that a calling and you can use whatever you want. But you have a purpose in being. Your story matters. God made you in his image for some unique Thing or things, but at least one that must be accomplished by you on this earth. And God knows your story. He knows your capabilities. He knows your potential. He knows what's good for you. He knows all that you could be, and he knows everything that's happened to you, and he knows where you should go and what should happen and the best path. And he also knows that you need freedom, and so he gave you something called free will to make choices, which doesn't always work out well for us. There are choices in life. You get to make them. Choosing God, that's actually a pretty big choice. A lot of people don't make it. One of the most interesting ways that you discover your choices and the things that you do, the things, the decisions, 
is by your interaction in some of the other 7,599,999,999 stories that are simultaneously occurring with yours right now in the world. That's how you are guided sometimes, by interacting in someone else's story. And you have countless times, even now, every day, but even now you're a part of a story, your own and everyone else's in here. And our interactions with others will influence our story. They send us in a direction. And sometimes those interactions send us in a direction that we never, ever, ever would have intended to go. It's a version of the butterfly effect. You familiar with that? The butterfly effect. When a, when a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil, it can produce a tornado in Texas. That is actually a, meteorolo a meteorological, meteorolo it's actually a weather term <laughs> by some guy who was describing how weather patterns happen. He, I, I, I never thought about it, but basically any situation where a small change is supposed to be the cause of a larger consequence. And if you look at your life, I'm certain there are many of those in your life where a decision an interaction set you on a course that changed your life in some significant way for better or for worse sometimes. Some, were, some of them are probably, you know, random but fortuitous but great conclusions from a seemingly small decision. Some were terrible things that happened. One event that led to a series of perceived horrendous events or difficulties in your life. It happens to all of us. If we take the time for a life review, those are part of your story. They're pages or chapters in your book, your book, your story. Now, for Joseph, he had a story. He knew his story, right? He told his brothers about it in the dreams. He knew what was supposed to happen. But his brothers also had their own story they were writing. And we've read about them and we've seen them over the last few weeks, Judah and Reuben and Benjamin, and each story is unique, but they're so interrelated and events that were seemingly way out of Joseph's control. That is, they were other people's stories. They wrote him in and affected his outcomes. And this is life. However, briefly, someone has written into your story. It can hugely shift your life. Have you ever experienced that? It's true. And that never changes, actually. But here's the thing. While we are the main character in this story that is our life, God is the author of it, actually. He is outside it. He is above it. And ultimately, he can direct its course. Now, despite our decisions sometimes, as we've observed over the last several weeks, even more importantly, as Joseph shows us, when bad things happen to good people, God still gets to do things. God can still do things. God can still direct the outcome, though the, though the end result, it might be a circuitous path or much more difficult than it had to be because we make bad choices. 
But sometimes in the pages of our life story where other people influence us, God still directs. And it's not at all about what the devil does to us. It's about the stories of life and interaction. What you intended to harm me with in Joseph's life, for that, for that brief little chapter where you threw me in a pit for whatever it was that motivated you to write your story that way and affect my story as significantly as you did, why ever you did that, God used it for good in my story. And ultimately, in yours, he tells his brothers. Did God cause Joseph's troubles? I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that because that's, that's not a very comforting way to see God. It's not happy that, that God orchestrates these troubles. It's not always the case because we're the ones who cause most of our own troubles. We don't need God to do that for us. We're really good at that. But I, can't, I don't know that God is the author of Joseph's troubles. I only know that Joseph's reactions to all of it demonstrated the ultimate and most difficult, I have found personally, the most difficult attribute of this life. When bad things happen, to somehow believe it is part of the plan. When bad things happen, to somehow believe it's part of the plan, part of the story of my life, part of the story that God is writing for me, with me. Elohim hashavah litovah, that God intended it for good, which reminds us, of course, of the famous dictum of Rabbi Nahum, gamzu litovah, what's it mean? Gamzu litovah, whatever it is. This too is for the good. And as I reminded you last week or somewhere, sometime ever, I want to just caution you real quick. You don't get to say that to other people. When someone else is going through a really difficult time, you don't get to say, come Zula Tova. It's for the good. Enjoy it. That's for you. You are the one who looks at you and says, Gamzula Tovah, this too is for the good somehow. Somehow. Because what we're truly in control of, and really only in control of, is what? Our response. Our reaction. How we respond to the difficulties. And that's, that's, that's one important life-altering realization of Joseph's words. While you intended to do me harm, God is with me. I'm with him, and we're creating a story. But there's the other side of the story, because it's so easy to focus on ours and look at all that's happening to us and say, oh, well, the, me, 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 me. But you have to understand that we always are easily able to see everyone written into our own story, but you are also written into theirs. It works both ways, literally, the other side of the story. You're all a part of everything interconnected with these people. Now, I want you to imagine this. If we are written in to people's stories that God is writing in their life, their unique story, 
I want you to ask yourself this. What character would I be in that story? How would, how would I be written in? What would an outside reader's impression be of me if they read that person's story and saw my interaction in it? What would someone think of me? Now imagine the irony here in our Torah portion, Genesis 50. His brothers went to him themselves, flung themselves before him and said, we are prepared to be your slaves. Now I want you to think about that. This is at the end of the story. First of all, as we've talked about many times in Genesis, we always assume the worst. We don't always, but see, I just made a horrible assumption there. <laughs> we assume too often the worst. And that's what his brothers are doing. They're going before him and saying, oh my gosh, dad's dead. Joseph's going to kill us now. We, we've got to take this into our own hands and fix this. So they go and they fling themselves before Joseph and they say, We'll be your slaves. Now get the irony. They sold Joseph into slavery. And these years later, they are prostrate, begging to be his. It's a strange twist in the story. That was their last interaction. All of them together with the Joseph they knew was them throwing him in a pit, selling him into slavery. And as I've told you before, and I don't like, Joseph has them. That is the moment for the sweetest revenge. Yes, you will be my slave. Get down. Get me some scrambled eggs and a beer. Get out of here. Whatever I want. That's the moment. But Joseph says, no. Altira, fear not. Ki hatachat Elohim ani. Am I God to you? Am I the author of your story? Am I God to you? Let me clarify that. However and why ever, why ever, whatever random thing or purposeful thing, I don't know, why ever, we are a part of each other's stories. You're in my book, I'm in your book right now, this very moment, right now. But Joseph is saying, fear not, whatever, whatever, why ever you did it, I'm in your book, you're in mine. I don't want to be written into your book that way. I don't want to be the one who brings negativity and revenge and hate. That's not how I want to be written in the chapters of your life. I am in your book and we see that miracle of what Joseph did by choosing mercy and life. In your story, brothers, you chose to do evil to me. God used it for good, but regardless, I will be a positive chapter in your story, no matter what. Altira, never fear. I will support you. I will be read positively. And to this day, what do we do? 
We literally read Joseph's story, and it encourages us. How do we apply? How do we apply? Oh, that's so easy and so incredibly difficult. I heard a rabbi lecture on this, this, this idea of our stories and God as the author and this interactions, and I, I listened to it, and it was amazing, and then I stopped, and I went, oh, my God in heaven. How many interactions, how many chapters in people's life storybook include me? And how many of them, if I were given the chance to sit and read them, how many of them would I be embarrassed to read? Of 7,599,000 other stories, how many would I wish I could rewrite from the pages of their lives? How many would I, would I change my reaction knowing that that chapter that included me may have caused them sadness or pain? And that's a far-reaching thought that every day is a paragraph, a page, a chapter in your book and every human you interact with, with their book as well and you're written on their pages. So the grocery store clerk or the waiter that was totally rude to you and you chose rudeness back, you're in the book. The simplest little things. Not thinking of the fact that your small contribution to that day's chapter without even knowing their story that was your reaction, and that's what you left them with, and that's what's written there for you. And that choice, that, that circle expands because I think, what about the pages of my wife's story and, and my kid's story, each one a unique one, each unique story of which I am on many, many, many pages. Have I done my best to be a positive part of that story? Always. Was it, was it my intentions? Were they good and merciful and representative of the goodness that God has shown me? Of course not. My parents, my brothers, my colleagues, even my enemies, those who intended to do me harm. How am I written in their book? How have I chosen to be written on those pages? And I'm telling you, my friends, if you can envision that, and I don't know if anyone in the room outside of myself can connect to what I'm saying, but when you see your life integrated with 7.6 billion other ones and realize that every interaction leaves a mark, it will change your life. I have encountered this over the last week multiple times. Thought about it and realized, no, no, I don't want to be written that way for them. I want to be written like Joseph. I want to be written with good. 
I want to be written with forgiveness and I want to do all these things. But, you know, there's such a, there's a, Joseph is a messianic figure for so, so many reasons, but none more powerful than these words that we've studied today. It takes you to our Messiah directly at his death, on the cross, at the hands of those who intended to do him harm and did do him harm. But what did he say in Luke? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What you intended for harm, he says, God is going to use for good. You're not my enemies. You're part of the plan. And that idea, for God is the author, and even your enemies are only a tool in the author's hand if we can see it that way. And if you can interact with people that way. And so Joseph, Yeshua, and then there's you. And we can look back and we can say, I, I've, I've tarnished the pages of so many people's stories. Maybe you can say that. Hopefully you can't. I don't know. I know I can. But that's not today's point, is to leave you wallowing in misery and saying, I'm a terrible person. It's the opposite of that. Why would we look back? We look forward. It's a, this is a transition point in life. When you really hear what I'm saying and you begin to see your life and others' lives through this lens of God writing 7.6 billion stories, yours is great, but yours affects a whole bunch of other ones, and they're going to interact every single day. How do you want to be written? Because it's not just for this world. It's for the next when we answer for everything we've done, thank God for the grace of Messiah. But I hope between you and God, your story matters most. But if you're alive, you have so many opportunities and so many other stories to be written into. So no, we don't have a perfect performance. But, but think about what I told you. And the next time you're in the position to affect another person's life, even in the simplest things, think about this. They are in my book and I am in theirs. Regardless of how they are remembered in the pages of my life, regardless of the actions they choose to be remembered for in my story, God can use that for good. That's part one. But as for my story within theirs, I will be remembered for good if only in one paragraph, one sentence of their life, or on every single page in my most meaningful relationships, I will be positive. They will read this chapter with fondness. I will bring good to them and to the world. And in the end, when your book is read aloud before the judgment seat, we will see the goodness of God working in us and through us, in our lives and in so many other lives, that the author of 7.6 billion stories might say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Shabbat shalom.